0: On this episode of A State of Control, we're talking about documentation and what's the best way to make sure you understand your code six months down the road. All that and more next on A State of Control.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This.
2: This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: A State of Control is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Kramer Electronics.
2: A State of Control.
0: A State of Control. This is A State of Control, episode 24, recorded Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. Help a brother out.
2: Welcome to A State of Control, AV Nation's podcast that is dedicated to control, automation, and programming uh, in the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host today, and I'm f- filling some big shoes uh, of Tim, Tim Albright, who is still joining us, but uh, he, he's, we have a little role reversal today. So for, first on our panel today is, is Tim, the uh, founder of AV Nation. Hello. How are you this morning, Tim? Doing good, sir. And second is our – everybody's favorite uncle, Uncle Richie, <laughs> Rich Fergosa. Happy to see you.
1: Mellow, mellow West Coast greetings, as usual. Uh, good to see you guys. Good good job on the intro, Steve. I'm liking it. It's uh, Thanks. I feel like we're having like a, a coffee chat.
2: Working on it. So uh, – and and third, and uh, last but not least, is uh, Chip Moody from Video Corporation of America, a fine uh, Crestron programmer and uh, colleague. Good, good morning, good afternoon. Chip. afternoon. How do? How are you?
3: Doing all right. Thanks.
2: Great. So uh, today our topic is about the uh, systems system upgrades. Let's call it. Um, A mentor of mine told me a while back that an AV system is a living, breathing organism. It's not something that you just do, and it's complete. And uh, to that point. Looking at programming and and you're you're looking at designing a system, um, the the we, we have to think about how to plan for the future. So, Rich, I'll start with you. Um, especially in, in a residential project, those seem to go on forever. Um, how how do you go about predicting what the future needs are going to be and and uh, setting yourself up for changes and upgrades?
1: Well, I think just like what you were talking about with um, a system being an organism, it's true. We, we've always had the saying that we're not done. We're just done for today. Uh, <laughs> and and part of it is it, it's like, you know, I mean, we, we've spoken about this several times on, on other um, on other podcasts about scope creep and um, expectation management and being able to find what done means. You know, what done is, you know, what you, you have to get an agreement at, at first, at least at, at what done is. Um I, I think what we've learned over the years now, because again, we're, we're now, we now have systems. I know personally I have systems that are, are going on their 25th year, um, sure. that we are much more focused on the concept of scalability. And the reason why we have to be concept, we have to be focused on scalability is because we have more connected devices. And if you take it back 20 years ago, it's only a handful of things that you could control, you know, and whether it was residential or commercial or, or boardroom, there was, you know, X, Y, or Z. You know, you you just this was this what was what was available, and what's happening now with systems um, is that there's so many more options. We're such more. There's so many more interconnection points, and there's so many more ways for a user to access it. Um, it requires software architecture. In the old days, when we were cowboys, you know, you just kind of threw it together. You didn't really worry about what was going to happen next year. You didn't worry about what was going to happen five years down the line. And, and what's happening now is that we're having to use rigid, established procedures for deploying software. And it's good. I, I, I you know, I, I hope that that maturation process continues. Um, I know for us, our rule has always been document, document, document. Um, we always build with, um where we're going to be several years down the line. And the reason why we've done that is because we've had to come back several years down the line on our projects, on other people's projects. And the first problem is, you know, how are you, you can only rely on your memory so much. And so that's what we've learned, is that as long as you have documentation and and you do the little things that seem like an inconvenience at that moment, that's when you should be doing it. Because, you know, everybody's always under the gun, and we've got the deadline, and it's got to be ready to go tomorrow, and, you know, the clients are going to show up, or this, that, or the other thing. And you start skirting around the details, you know. You start letting those go to the wayside, and you, oh, I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it when we come back on the on the cleanup. you got to stop and do it. Um, and so our approach, and, and you know, again, we, we, we've had the same issues. I mean, I haven't, I haven't always done it, but our, our goal always is to make sure that you deal with the little things now because when you come back a year later and you can't remember it, or the person who wrote it has left, or you know any of these other things, you can go in and, and pull it. And we go so far as we put our documentation in our program. Um, we have just notes, just scads of notes inside our program. Tim, Tim will attest to this. I've, I've, I've kind of hammered this time and time and time again, because somebody will say, well, where's the connection sheet? Or where's the input list? Or where's the IP scheme or everything else? And a lot of times we'll talk to the tech. They don't have it because they didn't show up on site with it. So what do we do? We open up our program and boom, there it is. We have our IP list, our input list, our output list. And it does nothing for the program other than for somebody to quickly go in and say, oh, that's where this stuff was. Um, So, uh, you know, again, like I said, the little things, the little things that are inconvenient at the moment are the things that we try to focus and get out of the way immediately.
0: Real quickly on on that, because Richie's taught me more than probably I'll ever – retain about programming uh he drilled this into me and, and one thing it does that he didn't even mention it is a true as build if you do it that way and you do it correctly it is an honest to goodness living breathing as builds no it's not something you're going to do give to the client but it, it gives your programmer and honestly like like he mentioned it, 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 as an extension your team a, a a an as build as you go along and oh yeah by the way you know six months down the road the asmils may not have gotten documented correctly right but you know who knows what what port something's going to the programmer <laughs> because he's the one and she's the one that had to adjust their code because somebody didn't plug it in the right port and and it's, sometimes it's easier just to switch it um to switch the 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 output port you know port a port b whatever um and then if you're documenting it that way you know that and you can pass along that information
2: so to to that point, um, is it is the programmer the one that that is responsible for that, or is it something that is a uh, it is just a natural evolution that that the, the the code ends up becoming the bible for for a system?
1: Um, I personally, I think um, if you are hired on a project, you are responsible for maintaining. The documentation and tools set you need to do your job. And I think that needs to be built into your fee structure and your expectations. And we call it the white glove service, right? Um, you know, there are projects where somebody comes in and there's a request for bid and, you know, you've got to chop everything out. Um, that becomes a business decision where it becomes a matter of do you take the job? Do you do less than your quality work, quote unquote, in order to get the job? Well, at that point, you're not in partnership. You're a hired gun. And mercenary work is fine. I mean, mercenary work pays the bills (laughs) at times, you know, you get a call, you move in, bang, bang, you know, it's not a friendship. It's not a partnership. You're there to do a job and get something done. And I think in projects like that, you know, depending on the relationship that you have or don't have, you can take a fine line and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is not my job. You know, you need to go back and you need to fix this and, and call me when, when that's ready. Um, professionally, personally, my, 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 just my personal belief system. I've never gone that way. I've never felt that I need to count on somebody else to do my job. You know, I want to work with them to do my job. Um, everybody's opinion on is different and it's a business decision at times, but you know, I mean, I know I had a project personally where we've had uh, got like 85 zones of audio and, you know, trying to reference it on, on the connection list, which I mean, it's a very well-documented project. But like minute by minute when something went down or we had a technical issue, I could find my answer in 15 seconds rather than trying to go back and go through the documentation list and pull it up. And was that the current version? And do they have the on-site version? And is this a new tech who just called me, who it's his first time showing up to this site? When I can pull it up and I can take a look at each one of my devices and know that amplifier four output six is the second dressing room and we can very quickly deal with it. I'm providing value. They're getting the job done. And honestly, I'm able to get onto the next job more quickly. So for me, it's it's cost effective because then I'm not having to run around and, and worry about whose job it is in the first place.
2: Sure. So so um, Chip, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. It, you. Being working for an integration firm it, it, and, and having kind of all of that under one roof, Where do you find yourself in terms of being the one responsible for keeping track of uh, versions, keeping track of the latest documentation, and and also being able to, to maintain a system?
3: Um, I've been fortunate where systems we've done haven't had the uh, you know the, the need for scalability in the future. The the most that I've encountered is uh, you know a year or two down the road. Oh, we're taking out this codec and putting in a new one. So you know packages uh, might require a little bit of uh, splicing for for new logic and whatnot, but uh, not the not the expansion that I'm hearing everybody else talk about.
2: Sure, sure, I get it. Um, Tim, in, in a previous life I know you manage programmers um, and one of the things that I, I know is challenging for programmers is to have to go back to code or even look at somebody else's code. What, what's the, the experience or, or, or what, what's the best way, I think, of approaching either a system that either you have done and have to come back to years later or even walking into to a system that somebody else has done?
0: Uh, well, I'm going to steal a line from both you and Rich that you guys both taught me that if you if you haven't touched your program in six months, it might as well be with somebody else who wrote it, right? Um, I don't care who, who you are unless you have a an ironclad memory, most likely. Even if you're the one who wrote it, it it's going to take a while to come back to you. So that's documentation and that's that's nomenclature. Um, I've opened up programs before, whether it's, it's AMX or, or or Crestron, whether it's Simple Windows or, or, or uh, Simple Plus or not Simple Sharp, where – People just start typing or or dragging modules over or dragging logic symbols over with no rhyme or reason. I mean, you're going to have, you know, 15 iterations of, in Crestron symbol Windows, 15 iterations of an init, right, an initialized command. You have no idea what any of those do, right? So you name, I named and, and encouraged our guys to name every single instance of a command, right, just documenting exactly what it is and what it's supposed to do. Um, getting programmers on the same page is sometimes interesting, uh, if not difficult and impossible, but at least getting them on the same page that of naming all this stuff. Um, I had two really good programmers who would battle over what the prefix for a button press should be. And I do mean battle. (laughs) And both of them were right. I mean, they, 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 I could see, I could see both of their, their, but the fact at least that they were doing that. Right, they at least you know they were at least you know knowledgeable enough and, and said you know that you've got to do this. And actually, one of them was one of the guys that, that showed me you know you've got to make sure that that I don't care if your if your if your command is is you know twenty five characters long, tell me where it's going, tell me what it's doing, right? So it goes back to, to Rich's point about documenting inside the program while you're writing, because you, you know, like I said, none, none of us have ironclad memories, and and we need to be able to pass along what we're doing but here's the other thing if you if you document a program well while you're writing it you can use it as a training tool because then you can hand somebody a program and if you still have the scope of work you still have the drawings you can say here's here's the end result of these drawings right and and kind of walk them through it
1: and i I want to add a point to that and and one of the things that it, it to to consider and and i've had this discussion with people several times is that we, we also have to remember that we are writing purpose-driven code, right? Our code just isn't generic. It isn't just like, you know, we're, we're tossing it out there and hoping somebody buys it. And there is a different approach when you are taking a, 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 purpose, a purpose-driven approach, which is you are there to achieve a result that somebody has laid out and said, this is what I want. So part of what... We do, And this is where I personally buck kind of from the convention of, you know, traditional software design, which is, you know, the flexibility and the genericism and the naming. Up. I, and I, I used to tell Tim this all the time. My feeling is is that if I can't write the instruction manual from the programming notes, you failed hmm. because you don't have enough information at that point. Signals that I use, you know, could I break it down to five characters to save myself some typing? Yeah, I could you know or could i call it room 1 instead of the master bath yeah i could but when i'm trying to debug a problem i'm going to spend half an hour trying to remember what room 36 is as opposed to going oh that's the pool house right so so there's a there's a fine line in between that you constantly have to look at and go you know am i trying to take this and decide that, you know, in the grand scheme, I want to sell a thousand of these. And and, and I may be speaking more to residential because residential is going to be a lot more unique um, than, say, a boardroom or a huddle space or or any of those other spaces. But I think it still does apply. Um, you know, I mean, if you've got to deploy 300 classrooms, that's a whole lot different than a 20,000 square foot house. I mean, they're completely different animals. So, you know, it does depend on um, – you know, where you're coming at it and also how you're relaying it to other members of the team. I'm in one of those unique positions that I'm not only the person that's coding, but I'm typically the the, the client liaison. I'm the one who's working as the client agent and working with the integrator and working with four other trades. So not only do I have to be the guy who makes it all work, I've got to be able to get that information to other people. So for us, it's always been a matter of you know, how can we break it down to the least, the, the, the lowest common denominator for everybody to understand. And, and, you know, it, it, it is a decision, you know, and, and I think that comes back to, as the programmer, you do have to know your environment and you do not have to know your projects and you do not have to know the individuals involved. But I, I, again, like I keep saying is, you know, and like we were talking with Tim
2: and said, you're
1: going to have to come back to it eventually. So you might as well cover your butt.
2: Sure. I, I, so, so chip, um, when you're faced with those situations, and uh, and and I know that you have other programmers that that you work with, do you have any way of being able to define? Have you defined standards, and is it, is that something that that you live by, and you ask others to work within, or does, does everybody kind of have their own style?
3: No, it's it's definitely everybody has their their own style, um, and you know going with the understand that somebody might be looking at my code later on i i, I try and be explicit with things like that, especially in simple windows signal names i i keep those very verbose um along with that, comments on the symbols that those signals are associated with. You can, you can go back and look at the symbols themselves, and the descriptive text next to those symbols should help explain what they're trying to accomplish. So uh, you I know, at least try to do that with the thought that somebody later on, <laughs> even if it's me a few months later on, is going to be looking at this code trying to make sense of that stuff. Um, as, as far as saying to another programmer, um, you know, you should keep this stuff in that folder and that other stuff in this other no no definitely not like that
2: sure so it it, it sounds to me like there's a, it, you're still following along with what rich is, and Tim are saying is 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 provide as much documentation as possible but but there really is not one method to no, use
3: there's definitely not one method
1: well what are you guys doing now, Steve I mean you, you're now at the point like you're saying that you know you're not necessarily the one tapping at the keyboard anymore. <laughs> So how do you maintain your consistency? You know, I mean, obviously the whole goal sure. is that anything that comes out of your company should follow, you know, the the company. It shouldn't necessarily be individual. You know, you you don't want it to be a Picasso and then a Monet on on the other on the other project, right?
2: Right, right. Yeah. So so it it for for us, it's the 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 outer result and the and the and the 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 product itself needs to be consistent. But what's under the hood? Is going to vary from person to person, and and the, I, I'm just at, just curious as to how far have have people gone with with providing standards? Because we we actually had a programmer leave our company recently, and and I've had a number of people have to go back and and review and and modify his code, and it, it's definitely caused us to to rethink and and potentially sit down as a group and, and discuss how we should be doing things because unfortunately things like that happen and uh, we we don't get ourselves in that many situations where we're handing off code but it it's inevitable that you're gonna have to work with somebody else's code and and what, what that person did is probably gonna live for years so we're gonna have to f- figure out a good way of dealing with it but also when we're working Together with, with uh, our team or with new people in the future, how what can we do to pre- to either make that situation a lot easier or prevent some of the challenges that that we're facing?
1: Um, the way we took it, and, and this is really, I mean, probably I'm going to say maybe in only the past five years that we've done it. Um, somebody brought it up, and it was a brilliant point. Um, was that we went from the de- de- the debugging tools backwards. So the, the debugging tools for different manufacturers, you know, are, are just different. But, you know, obviously we do a lot of Crestron and the debugging tools are alphabetical, right? But there's a hierarchy on top of it with special symbols. So what we did is we looked at the debugging tools and we went through the hierarchy of the symbols that could go. So a bracket would be higher than a paren and, um, you know, a left and right arrow would be lower than uh, a brace. And so we looked at it, and we went, okay, well, that, there's our built-in hierarchy. And so we looked at it, and we went backwards and went, okay, we know that our system level is going to be the top the, the top symbol. So you would have, let's just call paren A B, paren security, paren cameras. And so we knew very quickly from a debugging standpoint, if somebody calls and says, oh, camera one isn't working right. We know to be able to go back in, start at the top level hierarchy and go, okay, bring it up and expand from there. And then we looked at further. We went, okay, once we got inside there, what's the next symbol then the hierarchy? And it was like, oh, well, brace. Okay, well, then A B brace, room one. So now you have a very quick structure to be able to go back. Because honestly, the reason why you comment in the first place is debugging. And anybody who says Amen, maybe, they don't is lying, yep. right? This is all sure. about making your debugging easier. This is all about making your deployment easier. It's not about making it pretty, you know. It's not about showing yeah. You know, we're not we're not going to bring it to, you know, our class and get a gold star on it at the end, right? You know, it, again, it's it's got to be something that either makes you money or saves you money, right? And one of the two ways to do it is 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 look at your tools. And and I think that's something that we sometimes forget. You know, we we do get caught up a little bit in just the day to day of things, and, and 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 we don't want to admit problems, and that's always. Easy. And, I mean, control system programmers, we got freaking egos. You know, there's, there's
2: egos. Involved. No. And
1: you know, and and so when you kind of kind of take a step back and say, hey, look, you know, this is the, you know, how can we help? And and I I've been doing this more and more personally, going, look, you know, I, I don't care how you're doing it, I just want to help you. And let me show you the ways that you can get this done faster. I want you to go home at four o'clock on Friday. I don't want you there till nine o'clock at night. So let's, you know, let's find something, you know, that makes it a little bit easier. And more importantly, I don't want to be there at nine o'clock at night because I let you go at four. So,
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
1: um, so, you know, again, I, I, I think where we've taken it at this point now is debugging. And then you can tell because a good code, you can debug easier and bad code. You're going to spend a whole lot of time trying to debug it, and that's the important part because the only time you're going to get called is when there's a problem. So you might as well put the tools in place to save yourself with some frustration.
2: Sure. So, so Tim, I think you and I are probably in similar situations. You know, wh- when you were uh, running a programming company, where you had a customer that you had to help them service existing systems. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a challenge. So, how do you go about? assessing a a the existing code for a project and 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 knowing that the customer their idea that this should be something simple and and uh, simple usually means low cost mm-hmm. but just to get your head into a code and and figure out what's what and and understand the risk that you're assuming is is a feat so um how how do, how do you make that into something that works business wise
0: so from a business standpoint and you you Everything we're saying today is, is you know, obviously you, you you have to make your own business decision for it. We did time and materials when it came to existing systems um, for two reasons. First of all, yes, they might have the code and they could send it to us, and we could, you know, spend a, a little bit trying to wrap our head around it. But the one caveat to that is, I don't, I can't guarantee until I touch that processor that that's the code that's loaded. Um, you know, whether it's yeah, it may be named the named name the same. But you know you can upload it. You know you can upload the same name, but you know change something in there. Or I can look at the upload date. You know, oh hey, when was the last time you had a programmer out here? Oh, it's it's been years and years and years. And you look at the it, you look at the at the tools, and oh yeah, somebody uploaded something last week, which actually happened to coincide with the same time they called you, oddly enough. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, we we did time and materials simply because there's too many variables. Right, there's too many variables, yeah. and you can't make a good business decision based on that. Right now, that's not saying, not saying that we didn't do them. Absolutely, you do them, but you you go in there and you you manage expectations. Say, look, you know, here here are the here are the gotchas that I'm I'm facing, right? As as a programmer, uh, and as a business owner, so you're gonna have to share in some of this pain. Mm-hmm. Now, if they didn't want time and materials, we'd say, okay, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and you know, or something ridiculous, some ridiculous amount of money, to where they understood you can do time and materials at, at whatever you charge an hour, or you can do some ungodly amount of money to guarantee me that I'm not you know going to lose money by helping you out.
2: Sure. I guess a, a, another question, uh, and, and I'll ask you, Chip, uh, is when you are modifying code, how? how do you make a decision as to if you can salvage what's existing or if you have to kind of go back to the drawing board? Because I know and you know and and, and, and Rich and Tim know that when you the, the more you lop on to code, even no matter how well it was written, it, it eventually starts to get ugly.
3: Um, I, I feel very bad for uh, a fellow programmer over here because that has happened to him uh at least once or twice in the recent past where he's inherited code from another place and he's like, Oh, I don't know. Should we, should we do this uh, from scratch or just add on to this? And I, uh, I've glanced and, and said, yeah, you, you want to do that from scratch? And he winds up, uh, you know, not, not taste and, and adding on and he'll come back to me a month later going, I should have done it from scratch. <laughs> um, it's, um, you know usually unless the, the the program is absolutely monstrous it's it's usually seems like it's easy enough to go in look at what's in the code and, and make a determination like oh yeah this this is really straightforward this is this is clear cut i can add on to this easily or it, you can also seems to me just as quickly go in Get a feel for oh wow this is really bad I should just and, and especially considering uh, you know what's being added uh, are the additions going to make extending that functionality uh, more effort than it's worth well then yeah then toss that out
2: say thank you but we're going to do it from scratch sure so uh, Rich from a business standpoint and, and your perspective how do you have that conversation with with the customer um, when you are trying to determine if you are going to modify what they have or start over. And, and, you know, there's obviously pros and cons to both. Um, to, to be
1: perfectly honest, about 70% of my work is just this and we have a very simple hard and fast rule that we draw, um, for people. Um, and, and we give them a choice. Um, we have a scope for a rewrite that we create or, but the problem is is that they've already been disappointed. They already feel that, you know, generally by the time we've called, we're doing triage, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So so there's some trust issues. There's some concerns about throwing good money after bad. Um, you know, again, I might be just another guy selling them on the story of what it's going to do, and I'll be another guy that's going to charge them a whole lot of money and it'll never work and dot, dot, dot. So our approach has been pretty simple, and, and we found that we've been pretty effective with it is that we – Give them the option which is you know kind of in the feeling out period we'll say look here's the deal you have a processor that's already there um we're going to leave it locked down and what we're going to do is we're going to bring in a separate processor and this is where i live and what i'm going to do and this way i can't get blamed for anything that's that's broken because all i'm going to do right now you know I, I, I mean we'll give them a scope and we're like look to take it from where you need to be and we show them the examples and you know we give them the idea of what their system can actually do um but they go, no, I'm not ready for that. We're not quite sure. And we go, great. Okay, well, here's the interim solution. You know, In order to build it, we're going to lock that unit down, and we're going to basically say this is everything that it does. We're going to leave it be. And what we are going to do is we are going to bridge into what's there. So if something's broken, it was already broken. Uh, if we're making something work better, then we're assisting on our side, and then we pull our interface out. And we go to the point where we even bring out a separate interface. And so we, we start them with training wheels, Get them built up on the idea of okay, here here's that line of demarcation. Um, and some people look at it and say, great. Other people are like, no, you know, we're, we're now at the point where we can move on. But at the very least, it, it draws the opportunity to say, um, you know, because because again, you invariably get it. Well, it used to work in the old system. Well, you know, unless you have the opportunity to get hired to do a button by button breakdown of the existing system, that's a fight you're not always going to win because the revisionist history starts coming into play. So what we do is we we eliminate that obstacle and we we literally draw our own 38th parallel. We're like, look, we're gonna provide a small processor. This processor is gonna have code that we know is good and valid. And all we are going to do is you've got this TV over here, you've got this codec over here, you've got this camera over here. All we're going to do is touch the buttons of those things over there. And then if the breakdown is there, Then we're going to know a little bit better on how to isolate it and then we can give you a better scope of work over the long term at times we'll even credit it because it's already part of our because again what we're deploying is already part of our framework um and so we found that to be a way to reduce the blow a little bit build some trust and then set yourself up to succeed Um, you know at least that's been my recommendation
2: sure that that makes sense i i I can relate there and I and I know that we, we have these internal discussions and, and I think that it's one of those things where you do have to be upfront with the customer. And it it's uh, it, yeah, I, I know that everybody prefers to work with their own code, but sometimes we, we have to work with what's what's existing and and the the I think the there are pros and cons, but part of it is is actually thinking ahead and figure and determining if is this an isolated Revision, or are they going to be growing with this code? And and it, does it make sense to 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 kind of test the waters with the idea of a rewrite?
1: Exactly, and and it is, and it's it's
2: it, that's the business decision.
1: You know, I mean, yeah. from the code standpoint, code standpoint, you're always going to be like start well, it over. You know, every every programmer I know has opened up every other programmer's code and gone, "This is garbage. <laughs> god, what, what were they thinking? <laughs> oh my god, why did you pay Absolutely. money for this? Right? You know, I mean, it's just." Uh, you know, it's like, it's like the trash talk of programming. I, I, you know, I've always laughed and, you know, and hey, people have taken over my code. And I know for a fact that there was some code that I wrote, you know, early on that was rough, you know, and I would open my programs from years ago and go, oh, that was rough. But it's a cumulative experience, you know, and the, the one thing that I've always looked at is that you never know what pressure or the environment or the, you know, the way that the, that 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 company who was hired. You never quite understand the situation that they're in, um, mm-hmm. you know. So, so you can, you know, there, there's a point where my feelings always been. You're always going to take over somebody's code, and I guarantee somebody's always going to take over yours. There, there's no way that you can't be in this business for any extended period of time that those things aren't going to happen. Um, sure. And so we collectively, and I kind of got to help a brother
2: out. Absolutely. So uh, we're, we're kind of at our time for today and uh, this has been a great experience and uh, and I would like to thank our guests, uh, um, Chip Moody from VCA. Um, thanks for joining us today, Chip.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: Great. Uh, it, glad to have you and hope to have you back. Is there any uh, any way that uh, the audience can reach out to you and, and connect with you?
3: Um, I'm real easy to find on Facebook. That's probably the easiest way. Otherwise, uh, email's uh, chipmoody at vcaglobal.com. Uh, We've recently had a, a change in our main, you know domain name. So it's not just vca.com anymore. It's VCA vcaglobal.com. <laughs> Duly noted.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and, uh, of course, Uncle Richie. Uh, thanks for being here, and I uh, appreciate your support and uh, accompaniment, and I uh, look forward to the next episode. Uh, how can the audience reach you?
1: Um, probably the best ways is the – right the, oh, got it, got it,
2: got it, got it. There we
1: go. On the Twitter, on the Twitters, um, you can type in my name in the Googles, and stuff will show up uh, for Ghost of Design. And, to EPRO and all the other things. Um, and I, I want to say I, I feel like it was uh, – I was like in a Senate hearing, and so I took Mr. Levecchia's time. Uh, he he he, he he gave his minutes to me.
2: Uh, I, and uh, I'm sure that he'll, he'll ask you for them back one day. He will
1: ask for them back the next time. So sorry <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mark couldn't make it. but We may uh, have to make
2: sorry. that an hour episode. Oh, good Lord, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: exactly uh, but uh, let's see uh, you'll be seeing us hopefully soon at CDM
2: so. excellent thank you and last but not least uh, Tim Albright uh, from AV Nation I'm sure you have a lot to share with regard to Infocom and uh, uh, thanks for joining and thanks for your support.
0: Absolutely, sir. You did a good job. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. This is something we're doing. I'm, I'm I'm not stepping away. I'm not going anywhere. But Steve's taking over this one. Uh, EdTech is being taken over by one of our technology managers because I'm not a technology manager anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm not, not for nothing, but I, I enjoy the expertise that, that people that actually do this are, are, are doing. So thank you for the time. Um, Infocom. Uh, yeah. Infocom is N is a Nancy. 2821 is our booth. Um Come by and get a suntan, because uh, we've got a, a a sixteen foot by five foot prime view display wall. Holy cow! Uh, that w- that's going to be in our booth. Um, it's going to be it, we're you're turning our booth into a broadcast studio. Uh, so for all of our shows, so um, that and it, all of our folks are teaching classes. Josh Schrager is teaching classes. I'm teaching three or four classes. Uh, a bunch of stuff, uh, and uh, and we have the tweet up going on. Um, uh, our guys would kill us, would kill me if I didn't mention that. Uh, Thursday um, in room in is Nancy 205 from 4 to 6. Um, free food and drink uh, and networking. So, uh, yeah. So thanks, Steve.
2: Very cool. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I will certainly be at the tweet up as well as uh, coming by the booth and be at uh, the AV week recording. And I just wanted to share with everybody uh, last year's tweet up was. was jam-packed, and I assume this year's will be as well. And We got uh, a
0: bigger room this year.
2: It's the place to be.
0: I'm just going to say so, we got uh, a bigger room. If you were at last year's tweet up we got a, a room twice the size, so won't be quite as cool. packed. So,
2: <laughs> the goal is to pack this one, huh? Yeah. So uh, it, you, you can uh, follow me uh, at Steve Greenblatt. My, my website is uh, controlconcepts.net. We're actually in the middle of a new website launch. will be uh, available uh at Infocom uh, and uh, new branding and so forth so I'm excited to share that with everybody and uh, uh, last but not least visit uh, avnation.tv uh, there's a whole bunch of website a whole bunch of podcasts to, to share uh, a few coming out um, AV Week, uh, Resi Week on, on a weekly yeah. basis um, a, uh, AV Social and Connected a few that I listen to uh, regularly and uh, please go by the website and uh, check it out and uh, see see a bunch of coverage from Infocom as well. So that's avnation.tv. So that's all we have for today. Uh, Thank you for joining us. This has been the State of Control.